Ebrick, third goal from the one, gets the ball, steps back to throw, fires it right, caught, touchdown! Tamaki Jones Jr. He's got exactly 1,000 yards. He's got his 11th touchdown of the year. 12-11 to go in the first quarter. Fordham strikes first. Rams six, Pioneer zero. Second and ten for midfield. Niebrick gets the ball, throws deep up the left side. It is caught by Wetzel. Gets under a tackle for Reagan across the 20. Tries to come back inside at the 10, and he runs into the end zone. Touchdown! Brian Wetzel, 50 yards, zigzagging up the field. And Fordham's lead is 13-0 with 10-22 to go in the first. Rams up eight, play action, steps back. Niebrick, a bomb over the middle. Tabucky Jones makes the catch, and he's out in the open. This is a 97-yard touchdown being chased at the 20, 15, 10-5, touchdown. And we welcome you to our FCS playoff edition, Monday Night Quarterback, live from the Applebee's and Fordham Plaza. The Fordham Rams are on to round number two as they defeat the number 22-ranked team in the country, Sacred Heart, at Jack Coffee Field, 44-22. Glad to have you with us on WFUVsports.org. We've got Nick Legerfo, myself, Mike Watson. We'll have Joe Moorhead joining us in just a moment, third-year head coach of the Fordham Rams. Coach Darren Edwards is going to be on with us, as well as linebacker George Dawson and running back Chase Edmonds. All this is coming up and more in this edition of Monday Night Quarterback. While the Rams are in very good position here, in that they're into the second round. They did it in a pretty dominant fashion against a solid Sacred Heart team. And, Coach Moorhead, as we welcome you in the second round of the playoffs, second year in a row, how does it feel? It feels great to be playing football in December. Uh, excellent feeling. Very, very, very happy for our kids. Great to get another uh, home FCS playoff win and a uh, great opportunity ahead of us playing the number one seed. Well, before we get into the number one overall seed, let's get into the fact that your team really – Got out in front of Sacred Heart, 14-0. They clawed back in, but at the end of the day, your team just a little bit too much for a, an NEC champion in Sacred Heart. Take me through that early 14-0 lead because you guys really jumped out on them and things began to close a little bit as the game went along. Yeah, certainly did. Um, you know, Sacred Heart's a very good football team. Coach Nofarine and his staff do a tremendous job. They're tough, they're disciplined, they're physical, they're well-coached. They held a Delaware team to seven. They beat Lafayette, so... Uh, you know, the NEC conference is a, is a good conference. But, yeah, we, we were fortunate enough there to get a turnover early on, turn that into a touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Slate jumped on the uh, fumble, converted that into points, and had a long throw to Brian Wetzel. So uh, we certainly, uh, you know, talking about starting fast and finishing strong, uh, I think we did both. And uh, it was good to get, get out to an early lead. Well, you guys jumped out to that 14-point lead, and then Sacred Heart battles back a little bit, 14-9. They cut it down to that distance there and, and mainly in large part to Tyler Doobie, their wide receiver on the outside. So as you're watching this game, how big of a concern was was Tyler Doobie defensively? No, a huge concern and we knew that going in and you know we identified as Mike talk, Mike and I talked about on Saturday morning you know who are the game wreckers and he's a thousand yard receiver with fifteen touchdowns and a bunch of multi purpose yards and you know was uh, I'm not certain. I think he may have been the player of the year in the league or no well Kyrie Dixon, but he was an all-conference guy, so he's certainly a guy that warranted our attention going into the game and certainly uh, lived up to that reputation uh, with his play throughout the game. Yeah, certainly did. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo, Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead here on Monday Night Quarterback. And, well, Coach Moorhead, you look at the the play of, of that wide receiver, Tyler Doobie, he really did break the game in the entire first half. By the time the second half came around, he really was completely out of their game plan. What changed for you guys that – not only stop Doobie, but really stop the Sacred Heart offense in their tracks in the second half. I think our defense did a, did a very good job, you know, in both halves, particularly with some of the turnovers offensively and uh, some of the short fields that uh, they were presented. But uh, I think the major adjustment, I think we stopped the run well for the most part the whole day. We misfitted with a counterplay that got out a little bit uh, for a long run. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jordan and Ian did a very good job at halftime understanding the things that were uh, the routes that were, route concepts and the things that, that uh, Sacred Heart was trying to do, I think Coach Carey and Coach Hull and their staffs did a good job making some adjustments. And, uh, you know, those guys came out and, you know, I don't want to say shut them down, but limited them, limited them to, uh, you know, uh, very little production in the second half. Well, you talked about it. Your defense does a good job of stopping the run pretty much the entire game. And, and you look at a guy like Kashada Spence on the other side for Sacred Heart, a big physical running back at 235. What were you guys able to do to really contain him and limit his production offensively? 
I think we did a great job game planning. The kids did a great job of practice. And, you know, it's really about, uh, like on a, offense in a run game, it's about creating numbers and angles. And on defensively, it's about taking those numbers and angles away. So you have to have more bodies at the point of attack than they have blockers, and you have to take away the blocking angles and uh, do a great job tackling and, and getting the guys to the ball and, uh, you know, being physical and knocking them back. And I think the defense did all of those things. All right, well, when you look at this game, it was one that was dominated early by your team. You struggled a bit in the middle. Towards the end, you started to pull away again, and, and one of the key turning points at the start of the second half, a 97-yard touchdown to Tabucky Jones, Jr. You're backed up to your own three. Nick Legerfo was, was up in the booth with me. He's going, maybe now's the time that Coach Moorhead decides to get a run play, get the team out from from the goal line. Then you guys run play action and get one-on-one coverage over the top and Tabucky goes all the way. When you think about your play calling in that position, is there any thought in your mind to try and maybe limit the downside, so to speak, as opposed to trying to just get away from the goal line? I think a lot of it's contingent upon what the team shows from a um, uh, tendency standpoint when you're breaking down the film. There's a certain part of our week where we looked at the at – the, uh, the defensive cut up from the minus one to the minus ten, and you see what the team is doing, and you kind of have a couple things. You have a move the ball throw, you know, a quick game throw, you know, an intermediate play action throw and a deep play action throw, along with your runs. And, uh, you know, from what we had studied during the week and what we had seen during the game and the leverage that they were playing to Bucky and, and the coverages that they were playing, you know, we felt we had a chance to max, max protect. We kept seven people in and, uh, you know, isolate to Bucky on the field corner and, and – uh, you know, it was fortunate we protected. Michael made a good throw, and you know, Tabucky made a great catch and did a great job separating. Well, you look at this Sacred Heart defense, and they had a lot of pass rushers that could get after the quarterback. James Rents on the outside. Gordon Hill was getting after it. So how did you guys counteract that aggressiveness of this, this defense that, from Sacred Heart? Well, that's a great defense. I mean, it really is. And you talk about, I mean, Hill's a pro's prospect. Rents is as good as a pass rusher we've seen. And then Troy Moore was a player of the year in the conference last year. And, the J.D. Russell kid, I mean, that's that's a very good defense. So I think some of the things that make them very good and, you know, have them as one of the top scoring defenses in the country and top yardage defense in the country is also the thing that we were able to exploit a little bit. So when you're bringing that amount of pressure, you know, invariably you're, you're uh, asking your defensive backs to cover one-on-one in, in the secondary. And when we're able to protect and, and give Michael time, you know, we feel very good about, you know, our guys getting open. And I think that's what you're able to see. They held us down uh, you know from our, our normal rushing output but you know when you like we've talked about before when you take away one aspect of our game it opens up another and we were able you know to do a good job throwing the ball down the field let's take another step with that defense because gordon hill made a lot of plays beyond the line of scrimmage but the guy who was making a lot of plays in the backfield was james rents in the early going and it seemed like there was a holding call against uh, anthony coyle at right tackle when he was trying to deal with him he was really a pain to try and, and keep out of the flow of the game Second half, a lot less big plays from Rents. What did you guys do schematically to try and neutralize such a strong player in that second half? Uh, Coach Rodriguez did a very good job with, you know, Anthony Coyle, just talking about some fundamental and technique things because when, when you go against a player of that caliber, sometimes you overcompensate in your pass set or you do some things that are a little you know, out of the construct of, of the scheme. So, we, you know, we're, we're 13 games in and tell Anthony he's not a freshman anymore, but, you know, we got him settled in. We did some things to kind of, you know, help him a little bit in pass protection. And, uh, you know, I think as the game wore on, he, he fell – Rents is a great player. And, he, and he, I mean, he gave us fits. Uh, but, I, but I think we did some – we tweaked some things schematically. You know, we got Anthony settled down a little bit mentally. And uh, there's some fundamental technique things. I think those were – we were able to – I don't want to say we stop him, but at least we are able to, you know, limit his, uh, you know – game-altering play, so to speak. Well, you guys did such a good job throwing the football down the field against this defense, but one of the things that they were keeping you guys in check-in was the running game. They they made it very difficult for you guys to find your running lanes uh, for a good portion of this game, but for you as a coach, how important is it to stay committed to the run even when it isn't working and like it was in the, the first half? No, you have to. You have to chip away. You know, I mean, you can't drop back and throw it all, you know, set, well, you can, but <laughs> I don't think it's a great idea because, I mean, those guys were getting a pass rush, and you know, even though you're, you know, you're only getting threes and fours and fives and sometimes ones, you you have to do a little bit. And a lot of times, there were actually more runs called than you see because a run's called, and if they bring a blitzer off the edge, then we throw the screen out to the perimeter. So there were probably more runs called than the, than what you saw in the game. But 
know, eventually on those last couple drives, you saw I think we warmed down a little bit and uh, started to crease some runs. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, 98 yards is a, is a pretty good day against that defensive front. We'll have George Dawson joining us later. Chase Edmonds coming on to the show. Darren Edwards, the defensive line coach, will be on with us. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead. We look forward to the number one team in the nation, New Hampshire, who Fordham visits on Saturday in round two of the FCS playoffs in just a moment. We continue with our look back at Sacred Heart. And for this Fordham offense, you and Nick just alluded to it, you guys really remain committed to the run. You showed me the numbers earlier this year that the team was exactly a 50-50 split on run and passes. But when really there's nothing in the first half that that makes you guys believe you can effectively run the ball, 2.2 yards a carry from Chase Edmonds, what did you guys do in the second half that opened things up? Is it just kind of running the ball down their throats till you can begin to find more room? Or was thing just maybe the, the pass offense opened them up? What what changed that helps you get those bigger runs? I, I think it was probably a combination of the, of the last two things that you said. That, you know, when we go in at halftime, we have our call sheet, and we, and we go through each formation and what, what fronts, what coverages, what pressures they bring into these things. And you go through your list of calls and kind of itemize some of them for the second half. And, you know, I think we did a good job recognizing, all right, these runs aren't working. You know, these are the ones maybe that we haven't called or we called with a little bit of success, so let's go back to those. You know, and part of that was, you know, once we started passing it more successfully, I don't want to say the pressure stopped, but the uh, the number of pressures, uh, the frequency of them, you know, slowed down a little bit. So I think it was a combination of getting ourselves into the runs that were better against the looks that were presented, you know, us being a little more physical at the point of attack and, uh, you know, throwing the ball, softening them up just just a bit, not a lot, just a bit. And I think that allowed us to, and, and that certainly was below our standard running the ball, but, you know, it was it was good enough. Well, when you look at this Sacred Heart team, and we've talked about it already today, that they are probably one of the better defenses you guys have seen all, all season long. And you look at what your offense was able to do against them, putting up 44 points. What are some of the things you take away from a performance like that against a good defense like Sacred Heart? Uh, that, um, you know, I think that you know we like to believe that we're one of the top offenses in the country, and I think the numbers bear that out. You know, you know we. You know, just over our average points per game, we hit, you know, we averaged 42, we scored 44, and, you know, we averaged just over 500, and we hit 511 offensively. So, you know, we challenged our kids on both sides of the ball, you know, to play to a standard, not to the level of competition, but we knew, you know, with this defense, you know, we were going to have to battle for every inch because they weren't going to give it to you. And, uh, you know, you came out of that thing feeling wore out (laughs) because of, of how tough it was. But, you know, I was just proud that we were able to withstand some of the pressure, kind of weather the storm, not flinch. You know, and, and be able to move the ball as successfully as we did and score points, you know, and get some great field position between turnovers and, you know, uh, you know, special teams. Coach, when you think about having a first-round FCS playoff game, you hope to have a really great atmosphere. And it, it really, and I said it a couple times during the broadcast, wasn't necessarily the case. Sacred Heart filled their two sections to the brim, and Ford without students there didn't fill up their side. With that in mind, is there anything that <laughs> – you and I talked about it in the pregame interview last week. Is there anything more that you guys can do to try and entice fans to, to come? And what do you say to fans that maybe don't come out and, and support this team when you've worked yourself into the top ten in FCS and you do have long winning streaks and you are playing well? You know, for, first and foremost, you'd like to say, you know, thank you and you appreciate the people that did come out, you know, because those are the fans that have been supporting us through the thick and thin and got, you know, people who come out, you know, all the time to support us, and that's a great thing, but you know, to sit here and, and say that it wasn't a colossal dis- disappointment would be an understatement. You know, Sacred Heart f- filled their sides, and, I mean, the, the attendance was 2,400 people for a home playoff game for a top-ten team. And, listen, I understand the Fordham's place in the pecking order of Pantheon of New, New York City sports teams. I get that part. But w- when you have a, talk about a team that hasn't lost at home in two years and has been in the top-ten in the country for two successive years, and, uh, you know, I just – I. You know, listen, we'll play whether the stands are full or whether there's not a person in the stands. That's not going to affect how we prepare or how we play. But, you know, I think our kids deserve to have the stands full when you're putting a product on the field that this school has never seen before. So that would be my message. You want to come see a great story that's, you know, uh, maybe not being seen in person, you know, uh, this would be a heck of a deal to come out and, you know, see a top ten team in the country play football. Well, you guys have a, a tremendous opportunity now to enhance that story a little bit further going on the road against New Hampshire. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see from this New Hampshire team? Everything is a challenge. 
Uh, you know, they're obviously the number one seed for a reason. They lost one game, and that was Toledo. They won 10 in a row. Uh, they're, they're explosive offensively. They're fast and physical defensively. They play great special teams. They're well coached. So, um, you know, they've certainly earned the number one seed, and, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of things right, and it'll be a very small margin of error. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo talking with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead, who we've got for a couple more minutes here on Monday Night Quarterback, talking about their second-round playoff matchup with the University of New Hampshire on the road. Saturday kickoff at 1, one-on-one pregame report begins at 12.50 on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. Their offense is, in a lot of ways, similar to what you guys do from a, a spread perspective. What are the small, nuanced differences between what you like to do and maybe what New Hampshire likes to do? I think you'll see a little bit more formationally, a little bit more f- formationally diverse, do some different things and different personnel groupings. But I'd say kind of the, the meat and potatoes of it are the same, you know, the zone reads, so, some, some, you know, man schemes, you know, three-step, you know, play action, do things like that. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. There are there are a lot of similarities between the two schemes. And switching over to the defensive side, what are you expecting to see them run to try to stop your offense? They going through all 11 games. They don't show the, the multiplicity is not certainly and complexity is not to the extent of what you saw against Sacred Heart, where you're preparing for every single defense that's ever been ran in the hit. <laughs> in, in, Exaggerating, but there's there's a lot of, a lot of looks and a lot of pressures and a lot of things that made Sacred Heart very good, and um, New Hampshire is just as good, but they do it in a different way. Uh, they they run you know a couple schemes, and they do it very very well. They know what their role is, they know what their job is, and uh, you know they're they're big, they're strong, they're physical, so it's. They're good in a different way, but I'd say they're you know equally as effective as Sacred Heart. Uh, it's the Packer sweep of sorts of yeah. defense, yes. uh, apparently. Uh, when you look at New Hampshire talent-wise, this is the top team in the CAA. Is there a major talent difference that you see when you watch film between a Fordham team that's still on the up-and-coming in the Patriot League and, and working in a league that is not of the same class, most people would say, as the CAA, against a New Hampshire team of that caliber that's been this good for so long? Yeah, this honestly, this will be part of the challenge, and this is the fun part of it. You know, I mean that they're a, uh, a program with a with a history of winning and a history of success, particularly in the playoffs. Made it to the semifinals, I believe, last year, if I'm not mistaken, before losing. So, you know, this is obviously the the level uh, you know, that we aspire to play. You know, that 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 type of continued, sustained success, and uh, you know, certainly, I think our kids are uh, capable. I think we have the talent. I think we'll put our kids in position to be successful. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we have to play very, very well to have an opportunity to win. Well, Coach, we already talked about Sacred Heart, and, and you had mentioned that it was a very physical game, and, and you guys sort of felt it when that game was over. New Hampshire's sitting there with a bye week, uh, having having the first week of the playoffs off. How much of, advantage, of an advantage do you think that is for New Hampshire to have that? That's a huge advantage. You know, they've had the tape. You know, I mean, we've run the gauntlet here. I mean, you're coming off the Army game into the Sacred Heart game, who, who was coming off a bye, and now into the New Hampshire game, all coming off a physical game against Sacred Heart, and, and New Hampshire has the bye. So and, 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 uh, we're, I'm not going to make an excuse, and I don't expect any to, you know, it's just what it is. So we're, we're not going to worry about their bye. We're not going to worry about the teams that we played. We're just going to go out and control what we can control, and that's having a great week of preparation, going out there and playing well. Well, and it's great to have a great week of preparation, but it really depends on, in some ways, who you have on the field because you guys are still very much banged up. You played a very physical Army team, and you play a very physical physical Sacred Heart team, and the the road certainly doesn't get easier from here. So what's kind of the update on some of the the knocks and bruises you guys have picked up over the last few weeks? Are you maybe any healthier this week than you were a week ago, or is this only more difficult this coming week? It's it's the, the... The bruises have become more bruised, and the bumps have become more bumpy. But uh, you know, we haven't. We like Danny. Everyone knows that we lost in the Army game. We haven't had any you know, injuries of that magnitude coming out of the Sacred Heart game. But certainly, like you said, it, you know, it was a it was a tough, physical, you know, hard fought football game. And we got some guys who exacerbated some of their existing injuries and had some new ones that that, that popped up, but nothing to the extent that uh, unfortunately Danny suffered against Army. So finally, for me, Coach, your your biggest keys to this game against New Hampshire are, are what are, what are the biggest keys for you? Got to have a great great week of preparation. 
got to have energy, got to be urgent, got to be precision, and we got to go in and play well in all three phases with a very small margin of error. And, uh, you know, particularly against, you know, 16 teams left. So you're, you're going to be playing great competition, and the margin of error is small. So we, we've got to win the explosive play battle. We've got to win the turnover battle. Have to be great on third down, great in the red zone, and, uh, you know, ho- hope the ball bounces our way a few times. And finally, with, with you here on the show for just another minute here, we're having the three people on the show here for Monday Night Quarterback. We're having two players and a coach. Just want to get your thoughts on the three guys there coming on with us. We've got George Dawson, who obviously has done a phenomenal job filling in for Stephen Hodge this year. Chase Edmonds, who set the single-season rushing record for Fordham in that last game against Sacred Heart. And an assistant coach, Darren Edwards, coming on as well, who came over from Sacred Heart and has done a great job with the defensive line. So, what have these three individually done for the collective team this year? Uh, start with Coach Edwards. I think you see the, the job that he's done with our defensive line. You know, one of the big challenges we had entering the year was to, to improve our run defense, and I think we've done that in large part to, to the success of our defensive line, and we've done a great job creating tackles for loss and pressure on the passer. And you know, Darren's done a great job teaching the kids and motivating them, and you know, obviously he's been a tremendous addition to our staff. And you know, what, what, what's not to say about the other two guys, George Dawson, you know, steps in and replaces the uh, Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year and, and preseason All-American and, you know, uh, has had a fantastic season. And, uh, you know, surprised he wasn't selected to the All-League team. But, uh, you know, George is getting better and better and better as the season progresses. You know, his physicality, his ability to stop the run have improved. And, you know, his athleticism in the pass game are tremendous. And, you know, obviously the things that Chase has done and as a true freshman being a candidate for both the – Rice Award, Peyton Awards, breaking the school single-season rushing record and single-season touchdown record, uh, all while doing it in his true freshman year. I think it speaks volumes for, like I said, for Coach Hooley and Coach uh, Zetz and the coaching job that they've done with those guys and obviously their ability to take the coaching and combine their intangibles with their tangibles and, uh, you know, pr- produce great results on the field and help lead the team to wins, more, most importantly. In your mind, is Chase Edmonds deserving of, of the Jerry Rice Award? Do you think he is the top freshman FCS this year? Without, without hesitation, 100%. Do you get a vote for that? No? I do not. No. All right. Well, fingers crossed. If I did, Chase would get it. Chase would be the man. <laughs> Coach Joe Moorhead, thank you so much for the time, and we'll be talking to you Saturday in the uh, lead-up to the New Hampshire game. Always a pleasure, fellas. Thank you very much. That's Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead on Monday Night Quarterback live from the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza. Fordham facing New Hampshire, the number one team in the country. And, Nick, when you look forward to uh, this upcoming matchup, the two guys who could very well play a huge role in this game are going to be Chase Edmonds and George Dawson. You heard what Coach Moorhead just said, but, boy, that's an important matchup for those two to play well. Yeah, it really is. And and Coach Moorhead alluded to it earlier today. talking about the importance of being balanced offensively, especially against a team like New Hampshire, and Chase is going to play a huge role in that. And and on the other side, George, uh, he's going to have to play a big role in stopping stopping the run and mm-hmm. pass from uh, New Hampshire. It's going to be a, a tough challenge. That's a really good offense that they're going to be facing in New Hampshire. Those two are going to be huge. We're having them on later in the show when we go inside the huddle, but we're talking X's and O's. Right now with Fordham defensive line coach Darren Edwards, who came over from Sacred Heart, we asked him earlier whether or not there were anything that that he saw in the Fordham team when he was coaching Sacred Heart. But now that the shoe's on the other foot, one would think that uh, he was a good guy to have on the Fordham sideline in this most recent game. Coach Edwards, thanks for taking the time, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. How you doing? Doing well, as always, and after a win, it always helps, and against a team that you coached for. So with that in mind, what was that like, seeing a lot of players you coached, seeing a a team that, that you know extremely well on the other sideline and, and being on the Fordham side this time around. Well, it was, um, you know, I talked to some of the guys on staff here, and I said it was bittersweet, you know. You, you never want to uh, see guys that you help recruit and bring in and they end their career with a loss, and it's hard to see those kids upset, you know. They work very hard, and as Coach talked about their offense and their defense, their special team, they're a very good ball club, you know, so that, that's tough to see that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm at Fordham now. You want to win, and these kids here work very hard. They're a good team. We have a good staff. And the same thing, so where I say it's bittersweet, that's that's kind of where it is. Well, this is something that Mike and I were talking a little bit about. We see Sacred Heart on on the uh, the schedule for Fordham to be playing in the first round of the playoffs, and I was wondering if the other coaches were coming up to you to pick your brain somewhat on, on what uh, schematically Sacred Heart runs and, and different p- player personnel, that kind of thing. It, what was that like? Well, um, 
you know, most of the stuff they can see off film. You know, we have a we have a very good staff here, and, and you know, these guys aren't dumb here. They watch film all the time, and you know, and they can you can pretty much see it off film. So, so as far as schematically, there's not much asked. The, the, where I came into play, a lot of it was uh, as far as personnel, just knowing a little bit more about these guys than what you would normally know. You know, uh, this tackle here, this cornerback here, this linebacker here, and you know a little bit more about them than you would normally know about. New Hampshire. So that's really where, where, where I was more helpful with. How much does that make a difference in the amount of time it takes? I assume there's still the same amount of film watching, there's the same amount of tendency watching, but how much does it help to have a guy like you who's been there and kind of knows those personnel a little better? Does it just help you view the film with a different eye? Uh, I, I believe so. I think it takes, it, it shortens up your day. It's already, it's already a long day uh, watching film and, you know, long days. Uh, but it, when you have a guy that's already been there and he can give you the insight on this guy, then you don't worry about this and that. Okay, we got that taken care of as far as personnel, and we can move on past that, and we can just watch the schematic part of it. So it, it does help out, and I think it, it shortens your day and it eases your mind where there's some questions. Well, now there's not questions. They're answered because you have a guy that was on staff last year. All right, Coach, let's talk a little bit about this matchup with Sacred Heart and and one of the things I want to ask you about, you guys got beat up against Army. It's been well documented, but Brett Bistek has been one of the guys consistently for your defensive line that's that's come through with big play after big play. He's not able to go in this game against Sacred Heart. So for you as the defensive line coach, what is your thought process at this point? As, as far as what? As far as going forward? Yeah, as going forward without Brett being on your team. Well, we fully, uh, you know, we're, we're – behind Brett 100% and he's, he's trying to work to get back uh, in our mind we're, we're thinking we're playing with Brett against New Hampshire you know what I mean uh, in fact Brett asked me about possibly playing this past weekend and I told him I didn't think it was smart because I didn't think he was 100% you know obviously these guys want to play you know they, they give their left foot to play you know and, and, and that could have been possibly his last game of his career so he wants to play we're like no we, we, we're, we've prepared to, to play this game without you. Just, you know, bear with us and help us any way you can. He did a great job uh, helping the coach up, Justin Vaughn, who filled in for him, and uh, he helped tremendously during the week. He really did. Well, and, and Brett Beestick, it's it's also well documented what he's done off the field. He's the Patriot League Scholar Athlete of the Year as opposed to Defensive Player of the Year, so it comes with that added bonus of, being a really smart guy off the field. He's a graduate student getting an MBA, and he's also on the bench standing up on a big third down trying to get the crowd pumped up too. He's doing a little bit of everything. Having a guy like that in your group, a, a, an upperclassman, a guy who's been around this program, a guy who came here as a quarterback and became a defensive end, and he's just smart. He knows the game. How important is it to have a guy like that, being whether it's a coach on the sideline, coach on the field, or just a guy in the locker room who's – able to help direct everybody else a bit well brett is kind of like an extension of the coaching staff a little bit right at least for me uh, you know he he can kind of see where you're coming from and see through your eyes a little bit as a coach even though he's the same age as these guys you know so he kind of bridges the gap between you and maybe a freshman or a sophomore that doesn't understand exactly where you're coming from it's tough enough to come to a college and you're playing uh you know division one sports and you're away from home and all that you know but he can help in a, on a number of uh, of, of avenues, you know, whether it be academically, socially, athletically, and, and, and Brett continues to do that. You know, since I've been here, he's been, I mean, he's been a great asset for us, you know, and I'm glad to have him. Well, moving ahead to the Sacred Heart matchup on the field, you guys had a pretty tall task ahead of you in terms of stopping the run in Sacred Heart. Uh, Kashada Spence is a big physical running back, and so what were you guys doing to prepare to contain Kashada Spence? Uh, I don't think that we changed uh, our, our, our game plan, I guess, or how we would uh, prepare for anybody else. You know, we want to do the same thing. We want to be, we want to be uh, uh, fundamentally sound and, and, and stay gapped out, make sure guys aren't being nosy, getting out of their gaps. And also we want to stop Kashadis before he gets started. I mean, he's a big body. He runs hard. He's a physical back. But he's also, because he's bigger, he doesn't get started as fast. So let's get a, let's get a hold of him before he can, before the train is running loose, you know. Uh, so so we, we, we worked on that all uh, all week 
to try to make sure we turn the guy back and fit him up, and we want to gang tackle him and get as many bodies to the football as, as possible. But that's the same message we've been sending all, all season long. So it hasn't been really different. It's just a much bigger back that we're facing during doing that. Yeah, well, we know George Dawson has no trouble knocking down a guy like Kashada Spence. We learned that this past week. But to, to go a step further, a thumbs down. Why a thumbs down on that? Because me, hey, George is always talking, uh, telling me how good he is, and I always have to tell him how bad he is. Oh, so, this is so a nice ego I, I humble control. Him. Keeps I humble him. Yeah, I, That's I keep good. Him humble. I will be sure to ask about how that goes <laughs> over uh, when we have him on later in the show. But when you look at the rest of your defensive front, we talked a bit about the injury to Brett Beestick, and Coach Moore had told us last week he was day-to-day trying to come back. But Alex Washington comes back from that back injury, and he's still trying to work to 100%. Nick Marino's played a bigger role the last couple of weeks. We've seen DeAndre Slate recover a fumble in this most recent game. Justin Yancey has done a great job taking up two blockers in terms of this defensive front, how pleased are you with the way they played, not just schematically but or, or within the scheme, but, but the guys, their effort level, and how far they've come as this season has gone along? These guys, uh, they work their tails off, and, and they're really a family uh, in, a, in different positions. You know, I've coached a number of positions in my uh, coaching career, and with, with the D-line, especially D-line, O-line, those guys are really like one. You know, they, they, they really – you know, they come to work every day, like put the hard hat on and get after it, you know, and they and they, they look after each other. If a younger guy doesn't know something, well, you know, they help out. They, they give them some advice, pull them aside, let's go. You know, if an older guy's not doing something, probably an older guy will probably say, come on, pick it up, you know, and they've been like that the whole season. I think they, they've really been a, a, a bright a bright point in our defense, and uh, we're, we're lucky to have these guys. We're senior heavy in that position, and it, it's, it's been a benefit all season. Well, looking ahead to New Hampshire, and, and you guys are going to have a pretty tall task ahead of you again. It's going to be a tough matchup. What are the biggest challenges that your guys are going to be facing this week? Oh, this is the same thing. They, uh, <clears throat> R.J. Harris is a, is, is a great receiver, and uh, you know, obviously containing him, but it's almost every week there's somebody, there's some receiver, there's some running back. Uh, we don't want to change the message from week to week. <clears throat> we kind of uh, we set a standard for ourselves. Coach Morehead always talks about us setting a standard for, for ourselves, and that's what we're chasing. That's what we're competing against. We're not competing against an opponent. You know, It doesn't mean that we play against New Hampshire, so now we work harder this week versus we play against someone else and we don't work as hard. So we, we set a standard for ourselves. Um, is standard of excellence, and that's what we're chasing. Now, will we ever catch it? Maybe, maybe not, you know, but that's what we're, we're trying to chase. And if we do everything that we're supposed to do, if we, if we work like we're supposed to work, at the end of the game we look up at the scoreboard. If we're on top, we're on top. If we're not, then we've done all we can do in either way. So I think that we'd be pleased as a coaching staff, and, and the guys should not feel bad one, one bit. Fordham football on to the second round of the FCS playoffs. They face New Hampshire, the number one overall seed on Saturday in New Hampshire. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo with Darren Edwards, the defensive line coach for the Patriot League champion Fordham Rams on WFUVsports.org. And this is a team, we just talked to Coach Morad about it, that has a similar offensive scheme to what Fordham likes to run. There are obviously nuances that are different, but for you as a defensive line coach, does it help to have a team that, that tends to run similar concepts that your team runs when you prepare for a game week, does it really not make much of a difference? I, I think if you if you're familiar with seeing things, it does help you. You know, uh, I tell my guys their eye discipline has to be good. You know, and if they're used to seeing certain things, they're used to you know uh, defeating this type of block, then they're more apt to defeating him on on that, that Saturday. So uh, hopefully that benefits us uh, on Saturday. You know, we're, we're, we're surely hoping it does. You could pinpoint one key for your guys this week to be successful. What would it be? Oh, this is tough. Mm, it's so many things. It's so I mean, <laughs> coach talks about once again. Coach talks about when you get to this point in the season, everybody's good. You know what I mean. So to pinpoint one thing that, um, it's tough. Uh, I I can say a few things. Stop the run. Play with relentless passion, you know, get after the pass rusher. I mean, there's a few things that we need to do. 
we need to do to be successful. Uh, just flat out execute whatever we're trying to do, whether it be a pressure or just our base call, just execute. There's so many things. But New Hampshire's a, a great ball club. In order for us to be successful, we have to do a lot of things you know, across the board. And I'm, I'm sure they feel the same way. So. And, Coach, finally, because New Hampshire has a bit of an odd twist to them on their coaching staff because the former Fordham defensive line coach is now there. It's being termed the McCarty Bowl and uh, by at least some of the assistant coaches. Would that mind add more pressure on your defensive line to, to step up to the challenge knowing that uh, you're being graded against the, the former coach? Uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, like I said, we, we prepare the same way every week. Uh, we definitely – they definitely understand that they're playing against Coach McCarty, though. They definitely do. And I think the guys are really excited about it, um, just to, you know, j- just as the guys at Sacred Heart were ex- excited to play against me. So, you know, it's going to be like that, and hopefully it works in our favor. And, and didn't uh, Greg Marmoros used to share an office with him and you? Who's a better office mate to, to have around? Any uh, idea? I, I wasn't here when Coach no. McCarty was here, but you'd have to ask Coach Marmoros who was a better office mate. I'm sure it would be me because I'm just better. <laughs> Greg? All right, fair enough. Well, Coach, thank you very much for the time, and uh, we'll have you on hopefully again uh, later this year. All you need is your defensive line to force a couple fumbles, have a couple sacks, and you'll be right back on the show. Will do. We'll All make right. it happen. Thank you very much, Coach. Take care. That's Fordham defensive line coach Darren Edwards as the Fordham Rams get ready to play at New Hampshire, the number one overall seed in round two of the FCS playoffs. We've got two players coming on to join us here in just a minute, George Dawson, Chase Edmonds, a couple of guys, one we've had on this year, one we've wanted to have on for quite some time. And both of them, really no one knew what to expect from them this year because they didn't play all that much either last year. They weren't with the team last year. But, Nick, these two guys have really made one heck of a difference. Yeah, they really have. And, uh, you know, they're a big part of why Fordham is in the second round of the FCS playoffs now. And it's uh, it's going to be exciting to have them on here today. Certainly so. And we are going to have them join us right now. It is Fordham's Outside linebacker, George Dawson, and Fordham running back, Chase Edmonds. Guys, thanks for taking the time. Thank, Thank you for you, having No us. problem. All right. Well, guys, let's uh, begin with, with the record breaker, I suppose. Sorry to jump over here, George. But <laughs> it's all good. Chase, you have a 26-yard touchdown run, and it has you as the number one rusher in a single season in Fordham yeah. history. You already had the touchdown record. When you came here, did you ever think or ever imagine that you would have numbers that strong in year one? Uh, nah, definitely not year one. You know, I came here just ready to compete for the starting position. Like I said, uh, every success that I've been having, I'll take it as a blessing. Thank my line, especially because, you know, they've been doing such a great job blocking all year. So I'm just taking it as it goes. And, George, for you, you really didn't think you would play nearly as much as you have this year. Stephen Hodge was ready to come back and defend his defensive player of the year honors in the Patriot League, and he gets injured in the first scrimmage of training camp. When you get thrust into the role that you got thrust into, how important was it to have a guy like him helping you along? And for you coming in, you already had a year under your belt at Fordham. You kind of understood the college speed a bit better. How much did it help to, to kind of have that under your belt and jump into the Fordham defense the way it did? I mean, any time that you can play behind a player of the year or a player of the caliber that Steven was, it's, it gives you so much opportunity to learn from him because he was such a great player. But me being uh, put in the position that I was put into early this year, having to start, and was as I wasn't expecting to be, play that much of a role this year, just going in there and having full confidence, the team had full confidence in me because, I mean, I've been working since I got here, and I've been ready to go since I got here. I just happened to be behind one of the best players in the Patriot League, and when he went down, I know I owed it to him to give him my best and uh, have one of the better seasons on the team, so... Uh, Chase, let's let's talk to you a little bit about yeah. this matchup with Sacred Heart because you guys coming in, playing one of the better defenses you guys have seen all season long. Yeah. You know it's going to be tough running the football against them. What is your what is your mindset coming into a game like that? Well, um, with that, actually, Coach Zets, my running back coach, you know, he always emphasizes pass pro with us. So that was the number one job to get done first because Niebuhr took a bunch of hits last playoff game against Sacred Heart. And, you know, we were just trying to make sure we could keep him upright and avoid him to keep getting hit and hurried. And as long as we got the pass game going, that's what really develops the run game. It's kind of a balance in between the two, you know. You get a pass game going, then teams can't really stack the box. And coming into Sacred Heart this year, uh, they were um, <clears throat> very schematic. Like, that was probably the most complex defense we played all year. They ran a lot of different formations, 
brought in a lot of different pressures, kind of schemed up their pressures where they didn't really show like safeties and skews to help you find out where the pressure's coming from. So pass pro is definitely the number one emphasis coming into that game. And then for you, George, what were your biggest concerns defensively against this Sacred Heart offense, which had some success against you guys in the first half? Um, I mean, we go into every game, and our biggest concern is stopping the run. So that's what we uh, we put as our number one priority was to make sure that we stop the run and to try to force teams to become one-dimensional. And any a team like Sacred Heart with a good running back like Kashardis, but they also had a good receiver out there, Tyler Doobie. So, I mean, we as we focused on stopping the run, once they started passing the ball, then we just shifted our focus and shut down the pass. And then, I mean, just going into a game like that, we just got to be prepared to play as hard as we can and stop anything that any team throws at us. Emergency exit apparently means nothing to some people. I mean, <laughs> apparently just open the door wide and, and let that go. Hopefully someone can knock that off. But, uh, guys, uh, one of the turning points of this game, or it could have been, was a, a big hit you laid on Kashada Spence. And initially, George, you were called for, for targeting, which means aiming at or above the shoulders, which, of course, means targeting the head. So they go to replay review. What's going through your head? Because you took a 240-pound running back and put him on his tailbone, and then you're essentially ejected from the game. You have to really go over to the bench and, and kind of face the fact you may be done. It, did you know that you, that was a clean hit when you came off? And how scared are you that this could be the end of your playoff run because you might be out for that game and the entirety of the New Hampshire game? I mean, when I when I gave Kishardis that hit, I knew deep down inside. I, I try not to leave with my head on, on any tackle that I make just because a safety concerns, not only for myself but the other players. But when I made the tackle, I was just like, all right, this was a, this was a good hard hit. And then the ref, the ref that threw it was the back judge, so he was about 15, 20 yards away. He just seen Kashada's head snap back, and he just expected that I went in there and led with my head. But when I once they went to review, I was on the sideline. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. I was just standing there like, man, I'm about to be out. I done cost my team the game. Almost, I uh, almost cost my team the game with this. If they do call this, I know I'm going to have to miss New Hampshire, and that's going to suck because, I mean, we need it's the playoff time. We need everybody, no matter who it is. So, I mean, I was just, like, worried, honestly. I didn't know what to think. I had no idea what was going to happen. But once they overturned it and then realized that it wasn't a targeting penalty, that's – that's when it was go time again. I got back into the swing of things, got my focus back right, and then moved on from there. Well, and the official came over to you and grabbed you on the arm and, and kind of ushered you towards the sideline while the review was going on. What did he say? Did you know you were ejected at that point in time? Honestly, I was too busy celebrating uh, making that tackle. <laughs> that I, I didn't hear what was going on. I saw the flag get thrown, and I was just like, all right, they're going to get me for uh, excessive celebration or whatever it was, or taunting or something. <laughs> And then I heard the official explain it, and he, well, I heard him say number six was disqualified, and I just looked up. I'm like, disqualified? So I, I, wasn't, trying to leave, I, wasn't, going, I wasn't trying to leave the field. I was just trying to stay out there for as long as I could <laughs> with the boys, and they were like, uh, nah, you got to go to the sideline while they're reviewing it. And he's just like, I don't I, – the ref actually told me that he didn't think that it was targeting, but they just wanted to make sure. So he was walking me to the sideline. I was just hoping and praying that I didn't get ejected from the game. Yeah, and Chase, do hits like that as a running back <laughs> who, who catches some passes out of the backfield yeah. from time to time, do hits like that just make you shudder a little bit more? Yeah, uh, they make me shudder, and they definitely make me glad that George Doss is on my team. So <laughs> I don't got to worry about getting smacked like that too much. Well, for you, Chase, it, it must have been pretty difficult to – to keep getting the ball and not having a lot of room to run with in that yeah. first half. But uh, Coach Moorhead just keeps calling those run plays, and you have to keep trying to attack that center part of the defense. Mm -hmm. For you, how difficult is that to just keep fighting and keep pounding away when you know it's it's becoming more and more difficult as time goes on? Yeah, well, you know, um, with the success I've had, I know, I know that, you know, when you go into playoffs, it's 24 teams, the best 24 teams in the country, so – Nothing's going to come easy in this game ever, you know. So you're just going to have to stay patient with the run game, and you're going to have to keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and then hopefully you break one, and that's what happened on the 26-yard touchdown. So it's just a thing that you got to stay patient with. I try not to even look at the stats and be like, you know, man, I'm not having a good day right now. You just got to stay patient with it, and you'll be eventually break one. And then, of course, in the second half, things start to open up for you. You have that, that long touchdown run, and that, of course, gives you the – the single-season rushing record. So what was that moment like for you to know that you have that record? Yeah, man, it was it was definitely a blessing, man. You know, I'm definitely happy. 
because uh, a lot of people always just came up to me and said, you know, you're this such and such away from the record and you're such and such away from it. And I tried just to stay, not stay focused on it because I'm trying to stay focused on winning these games and making a good run. And now that it's over with, I, I kind of just feel like I got a big weight off my chest. I can just literally focus on the team and not have to worry about everybody just keep coming up to me and talking about this record. That was you running with some weight on your on your chest? <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, it, it was a little stressful, not going to lie. It was definitely a little stressful. When, when you came to the sideline, did you know? No, I did not know at that time. In fact, I didn't even think I got the record because people kept telling me, you know, you only need 57 yards. And I'm just like, Due to the game, like, you don't expect yourself to have as many rushing yards as you actually end up with. I'm thinking, like, I only got, like, 55, 53, because it was a long day, to be yeah. honest. It was definitely a long day, so I didn't even think nothing about it until Coach Moorhead made the announcement after the team win with the team. Describe your relationship with Kendall Piercy, because when you came off the field, one of the first people to hug you yeah. was Kendall Piercy. Oh, He's yeah, a guy yeah. who thought he was going to have this job. <laughs> he still has 600 yards rushing this yeah, year. He's had yeah. a phenomenal season, and... In third down pass protection, he's been money all year long. Oh, yeah, but definitely. What's uh, that relationship like? Yeah, me and Kendall, man, we're definitely very close. At first, you know, coming in as a freshman, you don't really get tight with too many of the players on the team. But, you know, Kendall definitely welcomed me into the uh, team. He helped me out with the plays, gave me all the uh, motivation and help that I needed to, you know, basically adjust to the offense. And it's just a, it's a brotherhood with me and Kendall, man. Like, if he has the success, I'm going to be just as happy for Kendall as I would be for myself. Because it's about the team at the end of the day. And as long as me and him keep it rolling, I know this team can, you know, stay with the success. We just got to keep running the football, and then it correlates with the pass game, and the defense is going to keep doing what the defense does best. All right, George, let's bring you in here a little bit here to talk about your defensive effort in the second half. Because you guys, they, they were moving the football against you guys in the first half, but you really tightened it up in the second half. What was that like at halftime? Did Coach Hooley tell you guys, uh, give you guys an inspirational speech? Was there some kind of adjustment? What happened that made you guys a lot better in the second half? Uh, you guys probably know Hooley. Hooley Hooley's captain <laughs> inspiration. So he always gives us a little something to get us going at halftime. But most of it, honestly, came from within the team. We knew that we were sliding a little bit. We knew we had to get things going. It was a close game. And the only way that we was going to pull away is if we buckled down and we got some stops to keep giving the ball back to the offense so they could go and get those touchdowns that they always get. But, I mean, honestly, our defense, minus myself, is all seniors, all upperclassmen. They're all, they're all gone after this year is done. So just having that kind of leadership out of 10, 10 of the 11 starters on our defense are all seniors. So just having that leadership out there, they know when it's time to get going and when it's time to uh, – buckle down and that's that's just what we did coming out of halftime we were like all right guys we got to get it together we're not playing as good as we can we got to be better so they told us that and we just got it going from there mike watts nick legerfo with chase edmonds fordham's freshman running back and well the only underclassman on the fordham defense <laughs> linebacker george dawson and does that make the impetus fall to you next year to be a leader do you already feel that as an underclassman with a year starting under your belt, that you're going to be expected to step in and be a, light, a, a leader like those seniors have been to you? Definitely. I mean, even this year a little bit, kids have looked to me for leadership because I'm, I'm one of the more outspoken uh, people on our defense. I like, I, I like to talk a lot. So, I mean, I just go out there and I don't, I don't necessarily think of myself as the only underclassman out there. I just think of myself out there as a football player. We all playing we're all playing on the same defense and we all can learn and listen from each other. So when I say something they're gonna take it just as just as uh, seriously as if one of the seniors say something. So I mean just being out there, I know next year I'm gonna be the only returning starter on the defense. So I know I got a big I got a big role to fill as a leader and as a uh, as a defensive player next year. And I, I'm ready for that having the experience that I've gotten this year. Yeah, it looks like you're going to be a huge key to a Fordham defense that, yeah, I'll have to do a bit of rebuilding, but a lot of talent left over there. Let's close with some questions about New Hampshire because the things have been ratcheted up now. We aren't talking about a, a local team that's making their second run into the NCAA playoffs. We're talking about a team that's made it over 10 years in a row. Yeah. I mean, a, a top team in the country and right now number one for the first time in about five years. Yep. They say Fordham really fears nobody, but when you look at them on tape, do you see them being the best team that you've played this year? Are they of that caliber, a Villanova, an Army? Are they up at that level? 
Yeah, well, you know, they definitely are. And, uh, their credentials just speak for it themselves. The only loss that they had this whole year was to an FBS opponent, and it was the first game of the season, so they didn't really have that team bonding or that team chemistry that they should have. So you never know what would happen with that game. But, um, yeah, we definitely had that role. You know, people consider us the underdogs. I mean, well, you know, it doesn't matter to us. We're going up there to win the football game, and we're, we're going to give them the respect they deserve, but we're not going to fear nobody, that's for sure. I mean, anytime, anytime you're in the playoffs and you have to play the number one seed in the playoffs, they're going to look good. They're going to look like they deserve to be the number one seed. But at the end of the day, we're going up there and we're just going to compete as hard as we can. And whatever the outcome is, that's what it is. We're going to leave it all on the field and hopefully we come away with the win. I know for definitely we match up pretty well with this team, so I expect us to be able to play with them. And we're going to go up there and go knock, go knock off the number one seed in the playoffs. Has to go. All right. Well, I think that should more or less cover it. Guys, thanks so much, George Dawson and Chase Edmonds. Thanks sure. for taking Thank the time. You. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, Fordham with a couple of key players joining us here on Monday Night Quarterback and a big game ahead of them. Mike Watson, Nick Legerfo here to close up the show with one last look ahead to New Hampshire. And we're talking about a team that's 10-1. and They're 8-0 in the CAA. They win it outright. They're the number one overall seed in the playoffs. They're on a 10-game winning streak. You could go on and on with all the things and accomplishments and accolades that they've put together this year. At the end of the day, though, I think when we talk to the coaching staff and the players, and those two no exception, they think they have the horses to run with this team, if not give them a, a real legitimate run at it, trying to go knock them off at their place. Yeah, they really do, and, and I think back to the, our selection show when we had Michael Niebrick on, and, and he said he was excited about the, the matchup, the potential matchup to face a New Hampshire team because they're almost identical offenses and identical teams in, to a certain extent. So he was excited about the matchup, and we have these two guys on. They're, they're not going to shy away from, from a competition, for that's for sure. And I think it's going to be a, a great matchup for this Fordham team. They're going to be playing the number one team in, in the, uh, the FCS bracket, and it just presents itself to be a tremendous opportunity for this Fordham team to go up there and do something incredible. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Fordham thinks they've got a real shot at this. We do, too. And we'll have coverage live from New Hampshire rather on Saturday. Our coverage begins on 90.7 FM at WFEVsports.org at 12.50, kickoff at 1 o'clock with the one-on-one postgame report to follow. And that should do it for this week's edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Thanks to head coach Joe Moorhead, defensive line coach Darren Edwards, running back Chase Edmonds, and linebacker George Dawson for their time. And, of course, to SID Joe DeBerry and football operations director Greg Marmoros for all their help putting this together week after week. Next Monday, another edition of Monday Night Quarterback. A look back at the New Hampshire game. A look ahead to the Rams' next opponent, if applicable. Fingers crossed they'll be on to face potentially Chattanooga in Tennessee in the following round. We'll have X's and O's segment with one of the coaches. We'll go inside the huddle with some of the players. Until then, for Nick Lucerfo, supervising producer Merrill Servant, executive producer Bob Aarons, producer Sean Hayer, and engineer Brendan Bowers, this is Mike Watts saying have a good week, everybody. Monday Night Quarterback from the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza is a presentation of WFUB Sports. So long.